are going to concentrate on the early years conference that took place at the beginning of January and um, we'll hear a little bit more from one of our keynote speakers who is Di Chilvers. Um, first off, a bit of an apology, I was recording with Di um, in Dynamic Earth and the background noise is pretty rotten. I've done my best to try to clean it up but it is um, not optimal so apologies um, but hopefully the content is worth it. So our early years conference happens every January and it's an opportunity for us to share practice and to um, get to, to speak with colleagues and see what's happening around about the city. This year we had um, two keynote speakers. We had Dave Troughton and we had Di Childers and um, they were speaking particularly around about children's interests and early literacy and communication, early language and communication. Um, we also heard from Alison Dickey, the Vice Convener for Education, Children and Families. And one of her key messages really was about the importance of our role as educators and actually just how crucial it is for our littlest people in Edinburgh and how we can really be a powerful force for, um, for positivity in, in lives and can set the direction. So not too much of me um we started off with a bit of laughing yoga um could be a go for um your next staff team meeting uh so i'll, I'll play a little clip of that i'll then um segue into a bit of alison dickey giving her opening and then into the conversation with di chilvers underestimated but most of all for me you're helping to shape a much more equal society where everyone gets a chance at happiness too early years are creating these inclusive nurturing environments you're shaping communication skills you're growing confidence emotional resilience and just giving everyone a chance the power of creativity and play outdoor learning trusted relationships exploring ideas, a nurturing and enabling environment, family support, partnerships, and most of all, child-led, personalised learning, playing to those strengths and to those interests. And you know that the focus is on the whole child and their well-being. Do not underestimate the power that you are as life shapers. To go to work every day and to know that you are absolutely shaping those lives and shaping those futures and shaping those opportunities, I cannot commend it more. So today you're about to hear all sorts as Lynn was actually uh, explaining there. But I have the privilege of introducing the first speaker and that is Di Chilvers. And I'm looking very, very forward, Di, to hear especially, I love that title, The Pedagogy of Children's Interests. So thank you. Thank you to all of you for coming today. Thanks. Wow, 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 wow,
Okay, so I'm here with Di Childers, who's just come off stage, <laughs> and I've nobbled her to come and have a chat with us. So Di, it was more, um, it was to hear about your key messages, first of all, that you had uh, given us. Yeah. Well, uh, there were many key messages, I suppose, really, but one of the, the key one is about um, acknowledging children's interests and the pedagogy of, of, of what's underneath all that. Um, and all the sort of looking at the research and the language that we use about children's interests and um, how it's about respecting and valuing children's interests um, and, and, and using them as a starting point for mm -hmm. children's uh, learning and development. But also thinking about how play and uh, how sustained shared thinking grows out of that and how interests can bounce around these ideas between children and between adults um, and develop children's thinking as well as their language. Yeah, so for me one of the things that it sparked me thinking about was that balance between us intervening to support and extend and then taking ownership of, of it ourselves. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's really complex but what I like about your philosophy already in Edinburgh is that diagram that you have of the two circles with the overlapping bit in the middle that looks at um, the adult's perspective of following children's interests and then the child's perspective in how important their interests are and then how that overlaps because it's that bit in the middle that is the bit where you get the, you know, it, it, where, where adults are really tuning into children's interests, observing them, listening to what they're doing, and then picking up on that and thinking, well, you know, how can I support that? How can I add and contribute to that without um, uh, pinching it or yeah. without dominating it or taking it over? for their own, you know, like, agenda or objectives or whatever. Because that, that's very much the case. I mean, you know, um, in England we, we have a sort of battle, really, between those who think uh, child-led um, is, you know, uh, the starting point, which is where I'm coming from, and those who think, no, actually the starting point is what the adult's objectives are. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't make for the best... Um, uh, way of working with children, of co-constructing learning with them. Yeah. So that diagram you've got, where you've got that bit in the middle, which talks about how the child's interests are picked up on by adults through observation, good observation, and how adults might gently move into that and support the interest and um, develop it through, say, um, playful learning or um, you know, possibility question or something like that, which then leads into sustained shared thinking. Yeah. So kind of walking that tightrope, the Julie Fisher that she yes, talks about the interacting yes, interference. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm working with Julie tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I'm Helen Boylet, uh, but not about, I mean, today has been wonderful because we're talking about children and the most important thing to children are their interests. And we know from uh, all the very rich research we have that, um, you know, if we tune into children's interests, then we're more likely to then engage them in sustained shared thinking. Yeah. So David Whitebread's work and Irem Siraj's work really shows that, you know, if we want to get children into those 
deep levels of, of creating and thinking critically and deep levels of learning, the best way into that is through their interests. Yeah. So today's been brilliant because I can speak to, you know, I've looked at what you're doing already here in Edinburgh and um, you're really on a, a good place in the journey. I mean, that diagram really epitomises where your thinking is. Um, we have a problem in England in that, um, you know, we're returning, um, the government is trying to return us to a much more um, adult-directed, top-down, sort of objective-led type of, of uh, pedagogy, which um, it isn't a pedagogy, it's, it's a type of, of ideology. Yeah that is not conducive to uh, young children's learning. No, I think there's always that tension though, isn't there, around about how you um, document and demonstrate children's progress over time. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> another one of my favourite subjects. <laughs> um, you know, I think I need a whole day. Um, yeah, because we, we, how we document what uh, children's interests are, I mean, the, it's such a creative process, yeah. you know, and I think at the heart of that is observation. So that whole thing about us being able to uh, recognise that our role is as professional observers. Yeah. So observation is a professional skill. Um, you know, I do think people, perhaps not in the profession, have to recognise that those that one of the key skills that professionals need to have is this power of observation. Um, and that's one of the reasons I've sort of created the observation toolkit because um, to help um, practitioners and teachers to realise how important their observation toolkit is, but also to get other people out there, whoever they are, whether they're um, you know other schools or parents or politicians or whoever it is, to understand that you know whilst you know we're playing with children, we're doing our, a professional job of, of observing and trying to understand what's going on in that play. That's the key, isn't it? Yeah. The understanding and being yes. able to apply child yes. development knowledge, yes. understanding schemas. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So it's that bit in the middle about um, uh, understanding. So there's a lovely quote by Mary Jane Drummond, which I, I need to send to Isla, um, about how what a privilege it is to observe children, but then what we need to do is to put uh, is to understand our observations, respectfully understand, and then put those observations to good use. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was talking about this um, with Isla yesterday, and about how that whole process of observation, really reflecting and evaluating and thinking about, well, what's happening here? What am I seeing? What are the children doing? What are they saying? What are they thinking? What, how, what have I got in my toolkit, my observation toolkit, which is in my head, that I can pull on and draw on to actually understand that and then move it forward in a very um, um, playful way. And for me, sometimes that can be more subjective than you would like. So whatever yeah. your strengths are as an individual, yeah. you then put that onto what you see. So yeah, then you you know, talking with your colleagues is yes. really important. Yes, it moderate. is. It is. And it's interesting you use the word subjective because, again, I referred earlier in the talk to uh, Carlina Rinaldi's work in the pedagogy of listening and uh, in Reggio Emilia, and they talk a lot about objectivity and subjectivity. 
And the pedagogy of listening is really about what we're talking about. We observe, now what are we seeing? And how objective can we be? Because, you know, we will not get 100% objectivity because we're, we're going to put some sort of, you know, uh, our thinking, you know. So, so the best way we can be objective as possible is to have all these different tools to call on. You know, the, the tools in the toolkit, which are things like, you know, a good knowledge of child development, schematic thinking and patterns of thought and so on, um, uh, speech and language development, special educational needs, uh, sustained shared thinking, uh, well-being and involvement, uh, children's interests and fascinations. All these things, if we have our tools in our toolkit finally tuned and we're learning all the time I mean you know even me as, as an oldie uh, you know every time I observe children you know I'm seeing something new and different and so on but in order to become more objective the more we talk about what we've seen with adults with yes. our colleagues but also with the children absolutely makes it become less subjective because and, and you know we bring parents into that as well so the more we can draw on those things the more objective we can make it you know but at the end of the day you're never going to be a hundred percent of anything you're not going to be a hundred percent objective you're not going to be hundred percent subjective but let's hope we're somewhere in the middle in an informed professionally yeah. informed way Absolutely. so yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah, perfect. Yeah. Unless well, there's something you're very much. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I just hope that um, what I talked about is helpful, you know, that it, it, it values what children are doing, you know. And I think what's really key is that a lot of things that you were talking about are things that are, you know, we're thinking about already. Yes. But just that affirmation that actually yes. this is the right way to yes. do it. Yes, I, I got that impression. I mean, certainly when. Because um, yeah, I was asked to do this quite a while ago, and so I asked for quite a lot of information because to try and get a pitch on where you were, and uh, you could see from that that you were further on the journey, really, than uh, say we are in England. You know, um, but I think the most powerful thing really is that last quote really that I shared by um, Chitsad Bahaley that talks about the um, research he did with the Nobel Peace Prize winners, which where he interviewed many Nobel Peace Prize winners and found that in their childhood, they the common denominator for them, the thing that they all had in that thread of their work was that when they were children, they all had a profound interest in something. They all had this, um, they could think back to their childhoods and the things that interested and inspired them. Yeah. Now that might not have been connected to what they've done with the Nobel Prize winners uh, uh, theme, but it, it was that they'd all have this profound interest. And so, you know, we ignore that in children at our peril. Absolutely. Um, because actually, it's like your um, director said, uh, you're, we're shaping children's lives. Um, and to do that, we've got to be, we've got to really look at what children are doing at a very young age and respect it. So I'm sure you'll agree there was a lot of stuff to think about there um, and it's all pretty exciting. 
The research that Dai was referring to is by a man called Mihaly Chitset Mihaly, um, and it's a difficult one to Google. So if you instead Google creativity, flow, and the psychology of discovery and invention, you'll get some information there. There's also a really nice TED talk um, by Chitset Mihaly, which is flow, the secret to happiness. And both of those things are just that little bit easier to Google than his name. Um, you'll see what I mean when you do it. I have really enjoyed um, speaking to Di. She was so uh, thoughtful and thought-provoking. Um, I hope you enjoyed it too. If there is anything that you would like some more information on, please do get in touch. You can find us on Twitter at edin underscore ey. Um, otherwise, you can get in contact with me and I'm at Bex Carter. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode and I will see you next time. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.